0: band. Thank you for being here. Why don't you take your seats? It's always a privilege to be on this platform, Pastor Brendan. Thank you for the privilege. Uh, It is a joy to share with you this morning. I have a question for you. If you could have a dinner party with any three people, living or dead, who would they be? Don't shout me down. This is a rhetoric question for you to answer in your own mind. But for me, definitely one of the strong candidates would be Mother Teresa. I think she was just an incredible woman, a beautiful heart, uh, just humble, uh, loving, caring and I sort of get a bit giddy thinking that I'm going to be in the same room with her her one day. I think uh, so much um, about her life impresses me. She was born 1910 in Macedonia uh, of Albanian descent, uh, and she felt the call of God really strongly at age 12. At 18, uh, she joined a community of Irish nuns uh, and uh, who had missions in India. Then she was sent to India, and at 18, uh, sorry, at in 1931, she took her initial vow as a nun uh, and started to teach in a high school in Calcutta. She was so moved with compassion by the suffering and the poverty outside the convent walls that she asked and was granted permission to actually leave the convent and to go and uh, commit her life to working with the poorest of the poor in the slums of Calcutta. Uh, This became her life's work. It became something that she gave her entire soul to, her entire self to. Uh, And it grew and grew into an organisation that we now know today as the Missionaries of Charity, who still exist today. You can jump on their website and have a look at their work. They reach uh, thousands of people in many countries across the, the world. Quite an incredible legacy, really. And I think one of the beautiful things about Mother Teresa is that she always saw when she served and loved people, that she was serving and loving Jesus. Those two things were, were entwined. You couldn't separate them. Uh, serving and loving Jesus meant that I served and loved other people. And she called her works works of love. She says this: I am a little pen in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. Huh, isn't that beautiful? I love it. And her whole life, I think, summed up loving God and loving others. So I want to share a few thoughts this morning around the topic, love one another. Love one another. It all started for me when I read a passage, just in my normal morning devotions, I'm a morning girl, uh, and so I read the Word in the mornings, and I came across this passage in 1 John 4 that kind of arrested me. The Apostle John was talking about love, which is not unusual, it's kind of his wheelhouse. Uh, He knew what it was to be loved. Uh, He even referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved, which is a bold statement. In 1 John 4, 7 to 12, it says this, Dear friends, he's really trying to get their attention now. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It was that last line that caught me and perplexed me and took me on a bit of a journey that we're all going to go on this morning. So I hope you're ready. Don't forget, you can follow along on the Uversion Bible app uh, for notes and scriptures to make your job of note writing a little bit easier. Love one another is not a new concept, right? We've heard about this before. We've even heard it from Jesus directly himself. He shared a couple of times in the Gospels about this command. Um, we read in Matthew 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, Jesus is responding to a question here. He was asked uh, by those around him, Jesus, which of the law is the most important? Like, which is the um, one that we should really be obeying? I mean, we should be obeying the whole lot, but which one is really, really important? And Jesus took this as a teaching moment, as he often did. And he said, you know what? All the law, everything that you've learnt can be summed up in these two commandments. He had summed up The 10 into two, the 10 that were given to Moses on the mountain. This was a huge deal. You've got to appreciate the audience at the time. They had lived their whole lives uh, being guided by these 10 principles. Like these are literally set in stone. Like literally, God gave them to Moses and he wrote them on tablets of stone. This was what they had lived their lives to. And Jesus just comes along and combines the 10 into two. Who is this guy? Who has the right to to adjust and change the law? But Jesus didn't come to do that. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfil scripture. And he said, you know, all you need to do is follow these two because it sums up everything that you have learnt about the law of God. This was pretty wild and pretty radical. And then he goes a step further. Further on in John, we read where he actually combined the two into one. He'd now changed the 10 or combined, summed up the 10 into 2, and now he's gone 2 to 1. John 13. So now I am giving you a new commandment, Jesus says. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Paul backs this up in Galatians and Ephesians, and he says, you can rest all the law on this one commandment, love One another. Isn't that incredible that according to Christ, the proof of your identity, the very evidence that you belong to God, is that you love one another as He has loved you? Going to church, reading the Bible, worshiping, sending your kids off to civic kids, civic youth, giving, volunteering, praying, fasting, all these things are great, but nothing proves your allegiance to God. Like loving one another as Jesus loves you. I think that's remarkable. Brings us back to John's words, right? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Something we've got to know when we're reading through particularly the uh, New Testament, when it says love, that uh, it means a few different things. Uh, the Greek language was very complex uh, and one word we know, um, you know had multiple meanings. Uh, and the top three that we know of love uh, is eros love, which is more like a sensual love, um, phileo love, which is a friendship kind of love, and then agape love, which is the love John always talks about, the love Jesus talks about. And it can be defined like this, agape love is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person, having an unselfish concern for another and a willingness to seek the best for another. This is how God loves us and this is how he's instructing us to love one another. It's not a Hollywood, Disney or Netflix kind of love, but a sacrifice and a selfless kind of love. So as much as this verse caught me, it perplexed me because I started to ask the question, I'm a bit of a black and white girl in general uh, and so I'm going, God, I've read this and it sounds like your love is not actually complete in me. This. There's like a missing piece. I have to do something for your love to be more complete in me. Like did something go wrong in the transmission? <laughs> when you gave me your love, um, it, it, did, it, did it come to me missing a part and I have to do something? Well, that's right and wrong. Wrong in the sense that God's love is perfect. The love that he has for you and for, I, uh, for me, it is absolutely perfect perfect. He loves us with a perfect love. There's nothing that I can do that's going to make him love me more. Nothing I could do is going to make him love me less. I can't even change the nature of his love by my behaviour or by my actions. He just loves us because God is love and he loves with a perfect love. So I'm asking these questions and I'm reading and I'm reading and it became more clear to me that John was meaning it's not God's love that must be made complete in us, but rather our love for God. There is something more that we need to do to make our love for Him complete, which is what John was saying. And that is, you guessed it, to love one another. Let me put it another way. Our love towards God is brought to maturity by the exercise of loving others. Let me say it again, another way. Our love for God is perfected when we love one another. Because love fundamentally has two uh, components. Love must, be, must have an object to truly be love. And love must express itself to that object to be truly love. So love must have an object. For God, who is our ultimate example of love, <laughs> for God, it's God and us. We are the objects of His love, and He Himself is the object of His love. He exists in this loving relationship as the Trinity, the three-in-one God, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and they love each other all the time, our perpetual loving relationship. And, and that is perfect love. But He also loves us. Uh, Paul says it this way in Romans, that we are the objects of His mercy. You and I are the objects of His mercy the objects of his affection which he's prepared beforehand for glory including us whom he also called not only from among the Jews but from among the Gentiles basically everybody who chooses is the object of his affection attention and his mercy see love alone explains creation right love alone explains why you and I are here on this earth Why would a perfect being who is whole in himself create another being except to love them and to bless them and to pour out his favour on them? Total agape love at work. So the object of God's love is himself and us. So what's our object? Because we're made in his image, right? We are made in the image of God. So we have an object as well for love and it's God and other people. God created us in His His image. We're born for relationship. And Dr. Carolyn Lee says we're wired for love. Every single one of us, we're wired for love. It, It wouldn't have been enough for us just to love God, but we're made in His image. And so He's created us to love one another as well. We're wired to love Him and to love others. But it's not forced You know, it was God's choice to make mankind. So it's our choice to respond to his love. Love is a choice. And I'm seeing lots of couples nod their head in the room because ask any couple, love is a choice. Ask any parent, love is a choice. Ask any pastor, love is a choice. No, just kidding. Or am I? (laughs) Love is a choice. Because remember, it's not an emotion. It's a willingness to seek the best for another person. God gave us a free will, so we're not forced to love him like robots. We choose to make that response to his love. And for us who have chosen to receive that love, to say yes to that love, we live in this personal relationship with God, and he's poured out his love to us in our hearts, uh, Galatians says. And now God, who is love, lives in us. And we have this agape love of God living in our hearts 24-7. And it's like, it's pooling. This flow is always coming in and it's pooling in our spirits. It's, it's, it's always, the tap is just always on. But it has to flow out, right? It flows in and it has to flow out. Because the very nature of love is others focused. The very nature, the component, the characteristic of love is always outward, <laughs> never inward. And remember, love must have an object and that object for us Is God and other people. John says it like this in 1 John 4 7 Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. So when we love God, that love manifests in loving others. Just like Mother Teresa knew, you can't separate the two. When you love God, you, you innately want to love other people. It's just in you. That love then must be expressed to that object to be truly love. Again, we look at God as our example uh, for love. How did he express his love for us? So many scriptures, but I loved this one, 1 John 3, 16, 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's a challenge, isn't it? Let's not just say that we love, but let's do the loving. John is very clear. Love must act in service and in sacrifice, following the example of Jesus. And He is the example to follow. We look to Him. So how does He love us? I'm going to rattle off a few things as to how Jesus loves you and me today. He loves us uniquely. He loves us as individuals and he shows us his love as individuals. It's not a one size fits all. It doesn't look the same. The way that God expresses his love to me might be entirely different to the way that God expresses his love to you. It's the same love but it's expressed differently because he knows me as a unique person. You know, for me, it might be when I'm walking and I, did, I, I went along to wildlife yesterday and did the hike and uh, there were these beautiful little wildflowers on the path that I kept telling the young people to look at <laughs> uh, because they were just so pretty. And I just knew that was God's moment for him to show me, hey, I love you. And I mean, that is a small thing, but it might be completely different to you how God expresses his love to you. But he does that uniquely because he loves us uniquely. He loves us completely He loves us entirely, every part of us, fully and thoroughly. Not just the good bits, not just the parts that we try and show, but He loves our whole person. He loves us unconditionally. There's no requirements, there's no reservation, there's no restriction, there's no hoops to jump through, and there's no standards to meet. He loves us, no holds bar. He just loves us unconditionally. He loves us sacrificially. He loves us enough to give selflessly and with deference because love, love hurts and, it's, and it costs us something. He loves us sacrificially. He loves us actively with deeds and with works. He backs up his words with action and he demonstrates his love to us ultimately by the cross of Christ. And I'm going to throw an extra one in there that's not on the slides. But he loves us enthusiastically. Like he absolutely delights in us. I hope you remind people in your world constantly that, hey, do you know that you're God's masterpiece? Do you know that God absolutely loves you? Do you know that he looked at you? He looked at you and he said, You you are very good. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. It's not a chore or a bore for God to love you. He delights in loving us, in loving you. So, knowing all of that, how Jesus loves us. What does John say? Love others as I have loved you. So let's love others like this, church. Let's love them uniquely. Let's love them completely. Let's love one another unconditionally. Let's not hold anyone to ransom or to expectation. Just love them. Just love them. Just love them. Let's love them sacrificially, actively, with with action, enthusiastically, with joy. Let's love them. This sounds like a tall order, but we can only do this because we know the agape love that's toward us and we have that agape love in us and we can choose to love out of that love. You know, I'm a visual person and so just for my benefit so that I know that I had this, these thoughts right in my mind, um, I whip them up into a diagram that we're going to show on the side screen so you can have a look at that. <laughs> um, but it's just talking about how this love of God works. Uh, it's not a lot, Not in the U-version Bible app, so feel free, if you want, take a photo. But I'm just going to talk through it in a moment. Well, right now, actually. God is love. It's the banner over us. The whole reason for existence is God is love. And out of that, He loves us. And because He loves us, He gives Sacrificially, and he gave us his son. And because of that, we respond by trusting and having a faith, a genuine faith in him. And that inevitably makes us love God. We just respond with this love for him. And then out of that comes this love for others. But this is where 1 John 4 4 sort of comes to light. The more that we love God, the more that we love others and we express that love to one another, the more that God's love in us is complete. And then more, the more that is complete, the more we love other people. And then the more we love other people, the more the love of God in us is complete. Am I sounding repetitive? That's because it keeps going round and round and round and round. The more that we love God, we love others, we love God, we love others. It's just this perpetual cycle. There's a few scriptures down the bottom. And it's important to note the red on the side is that it always is flowing. God's love is always flowing towards us. The cross of Christ, the power is always at work within us. We always have this active faith. We're always responding to the love of God. And then we're going round and round and round loving others. I hope that made sense to you. It made it sort of a bit more um, streamlined in my mind. But hey, let's get even more practical. Loving others. Others, many people would think that the five love languages uh, is a great tool um, to love one another, and I tend to agree. Uh, everyone heard of the five love languages? Show of hands in the room. Yeah, many people. Uh, so you got acts of love, uh, acts of love, acts of service, quality time. Uh, I don't know why I'm looking at you, Jace. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, and. Physical touch, thank you, uh, young people in the second row. (laughs) Um, Love language is a great, great tool um, to help you try to, uh, you know, love other people. Um, It can, though, tend towards um, the phileo kind of love because I, you know, inevitably often um, you start to uh, communicate love to somebody in the way that you like to receive love, uh, which is not actually self um, uh, selfless, it's actually quite self-serving. So it can tend towards the phileo friendship kind of love that's actually about you. Uh, but when it, when it leans more towards the agape side of love, it's when we communicate love in another person's love language that's actually not your own natural love language. You're actually... Um, deferring to their benefit and and, um, having an unselfish concern for their well-being. Uh, So the gestures of love in my love languages often mean the most to me when they come from people um, that I know don't have that love language or aren't strong in that love language. Uh, I have a disturbing amount of people in my world that are non-huggers. Like it's actually quite distressing to me. I'm not going to name and shame because this is a grace platform. Um, But uh, I know when they do come and give me hugs on the rare occasion, it's a big deal For them, it's meaning absolutely nothing. But I know for me, and they know for me, it's actually communicating love you. You're the best. I think you're amazing. You're just, you're just tops. I love you. And so that just fills my cup, man. That's just awesome. I love that. Don't all come and give me hugs. (laughs) Um, But I will hug you. I'm very happy to hug people. Um, But loving people, you know, in those gestures, those small gestures, uh, can be one way of loving one another. Things like hugging, sending an encouraging text, giving gifts, including people. But then I also think in big acts as well, like standing up for someone, like forgiving someone, carrying a person's burden, believing the best in a person. Having tough conversations, that actually is love. Supporting someone's decisions. These are also big acts of how we can love one another. Remember, the object of our love is God and other people, and that love must be expressed outwardly. John gave us a warning in his scripture. I'm not sure if you picked up on it when you read it, but he was saying if we don't love one another, John asks, how can the love of God actually be in that person? If we don't express love to one another, how can we prove that we belong to God? You know, I'm not the only one I know that struggles with loving people sometimes. So it can be a real challenge because love is a choice. Sometimes we can choose to allow things to get in between us, between me and another. And that agape love doesn't seem to be flowing very well, if at all. But, you know, I reckon God's love works really similar to his grace and favour. Here at Civic, we know that because of Christ, uh, the grace and favour of God in Jesus is toward us 100%. Like the tap is on. Um, there's there's no turning that off. Um, yet we can do, we can make choices um, that that kink that hose, <laughs> that actually can make uh, that flow contra- com- compromised um, of what we're receiving. And I tend to think God's love works in a really similar way to other people. We have his love within us, thanks to the Holy Spirit, it's, it's living within us, but the way that we express that to other people might get blocked sometimes because of the things that we allow to jam up that hose. Our bent is to love, but we might get bent out of shape because of a number of things and kink that hose things like unforgiveness, things like jealousy, pride, bitterness, comparison, hurt, indifference or disappointment. These things can jam up that hose and we don't necessarily feel like we want to love one another. I love Mother Teresa's comment on this. She said, people are unrealistic, illogical and self-centered love them anyway. (laughs) Thanks, Mother. (laughs) Love them anyway. Because the more that we allow God's love to be the centre of our lives, the more that we can truly love others the way that He loves us, irrespective of their behaviour or their background. Now hear me, love does have boundaries. Love does use wisdom. And God helps us navigate the intricacies of relationship. But our love for God is perfected when we love one another. So, how will you love one another this week? What does that look like for you to put another's interest ahead of yours this week? In the small gestures, in the big gestures. How can you love one another uniquely, unconditionally, completely, sacrificially, actively? and enthusiastically this week. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm going to close with this one last quote from Mother Teresa. So many of them, but this is a good one to land. We must know, we must know that we have been created for greater things, not just to be a number in the world, not just to go for diplomas and degrees. This work and that work We have been created in order to love and to be loved. This is why we're here. We're here to be loved by a God that loves us with everything. And we're here to love others in the way that He loves us. We're here to make that love for God complete in us by loving and serving other people. And you've got people in your world, I've got people in my world that need the love of God. That need the love of God with skin on. And I can do that. I can express his love to them by the small gestures and the big gestures. And you can too. So think about how you can love one another this week. You'll have opportunity. You'll have opportunity today in your household, in your workplace, in your schoolroom. Love one another. Because our love is perfect, our love for God is perfected when we love one another. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for uh, your word to us today. It's a challenge, but it's not a chore because we want to love you and we want to love your creation that, that you just absolutely love. And God, help us to love them like you do. Help us to love one another like you have loved us and you continue to love us. God, we don't see it as a chore. We don't see it as an obligation. We see it as a joy and a privilege to love and serve people. God, help us. Help us tap into that agape love more and more to serve and love those around us, those that You've given us, those You've placed in our world, not by accident or coincidence, but God, on purpose to show Your love. Oh, use us, God. We thank You for the privilege. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's love one another church. We're going to finish with a song.